Hello, humans. Hello, humans. Hello, humans of Minnesota, but of the world, because I am actually hearing from people about this show from other countries. And I'm really quite excited about that. <laughs> Welcome to Ellie 2.0 Radio. I am Ellie of Ellie 2.0 Radio. And you know it. If you've listened to this show before, you know that I am an idealist. This show is about idealism. I am doing my best to resurrect that phrase and that idea so that we can all go together working to make positive change in our world. All right, so we have a great show, too. Um, I have the founder of a transgender-focused nonprofit for the big interview, a woman named Susan Williams. That'll be in my, uh, the, my B and C block, and, or excuse me, my B1 and B2 block. And then in my C block, I'm going to share about speaking up and risking a pushback from members of my community. That is the LGBTQI community, where I, uh, I had to... I had to say something, and I didn't know how it would go down. But we'll get to that. First, let's talk about our featured idealist for the week, and that is um, Ta-Nehisi. I've been pr practicing this name like 50 times. Ta-Nehisi Coates. Uh, so, um, and it is, a, it is a name that I'm sure that you recognize if you know anything about his writing. So you may recognize his name from his very famous book, Between the World and Me. But he's also been a writer and a commentator on, and I'll get to that in a second. So Ta-Nehisi Coates is a, an African-American man who not only writes, but also who shows up in various news outlets, such as Stephen Colbert, John Stewart, MSNBC's Rachel Maddow, who is another idealist, by the way, um, and one of my heroes. Um, and he's, he's gone on those shows to talk about politics and social change relative to the black, the African-American community, particularly on how white color humans have historically marginalized people of color other than the white color. Tanahasi has his roots in Baltimore, where he was born. His father, Paul Coates, served in Vietnam and then joined the Black Panthers. Hmm. Yeah, and, and we may say that from a historical perspective about Black Panthers, but back in the 70s uh, and late 60s, the Black Panthers were considered a very revolutionary group of humans. Um, later, uh, Paul Coates, so Tanahasi's father, became a publisher and founded Black Classic Press, featuring books by African-American writers. And Paul Coates began that press in the basement of his home. So Ta-Nehisi was able to see uh, his father at work with other writers and actually literally able to read the books as they were coming off the press. On the other side of the equation, Ta-Nehisi's mother was a teacher. She helped to instill his aptitude and perhaps appetite as a writer, because when Tanahasi misbehaved, his mother required him to write essays. Pretty cool idea, if you can get your kid to do it. So the combination of that and his father's printing of African-American authored books created a great foundation for this wonderful writer. 
Tanahasi went on to attend Howard University after graduating from high school in Baltimore, went on to go to Howard University in Washington, D.C. But surprisingly, I found this surprising, he did not graduate. In fact, he's the only one out of, I think, seven or eight kids uh, in his family that did not graduate from college. Um, however, given his success that he's had professionally, I don't think a college diploma necessarily was required for him. His success, that is Tanahasi's success as a writer, has include working as a journalist at Time Magazine, uh, The Village Voice, and The Atlantic Magazine, um, where he later on became a senior editor. Those of you who have been following me on this show know that I am a fan, I mean a huge fan of The Atlantic. And uh, what I just read to you, Time and Village Voice, these are incredible credentials for any writer. I'm actually quite jealous here. Um, and it was in the Atlantic magazine where I first came across Tala, uh, Tanahasi's name and his writing. He wrote a lengthy article, uh, The Case for Reparations, uh, in June of 2014. And that's when I really start to get became, become familiar with him, him and his writing. Many of you must be familiar, may be familiar with Tanahasi's name because of his book, Between the World and Me, which uh, takes the form of a very long letter to his newborn son. The book is about how America was founded on the false ideal of freedom and justice for all, when in fact it was the collective labor of enslaved humans, most of whom were brought here from Africa, uh, that allowed um, the country to go forward. So when, and so he is in his 20s and 30s, he's now 44, he is challenging the notion of what America was founded on. That is pretty radical for anybody to do that, but particularly radical for an African-American, a black-colored human to do that. Um, Tanahasi's book, Between the World and Me, talks about how our country is separated by skin color. White-colored people, he writes, live past the asteroid belt, where white-colored children don't grow up in fear of their bodies being harmed by bullets or police billy clubs. In fact, Tanahasi, uh, when he was, I believe, 11 years old, had another boy point a gun at Tanahasi. And at that moment, Tanahasi thought that he was going to die. Now, white color humans listening to this show, and I know that pretty much that's all that I have for an audience, when is the last time you ever had a gun pointed at you or had a loved one go through that experience? And yet, in the communities of color other than the white color, particularly in the African-American community and in the Latino, Latinx communities, gun violence is very prevalent. White colored people don't understand this. And they don't understand how it is um, that skin color can become a magnet for violence. Among the other things that Tanahasi writes in his book, Between the World and Me, is that good intentions 
do not matter. Good intentions will not change the landscape. They will not close the achievement gap between white color and children of other colors. Remember, here in Minnesota, we had Michael Cerisi on many weeks ago, many months, a couple, several months ago, about his nonprofit trying to get the word out about how Minnesota is 49th or 50th, depending on what survey you look at, in terms of worst achievement gap between white-colored kids and kids of colors other than the white color. This is Minnesota, the state that has a booming economy, the state that has a high capita per capita living uh, rate for white-colored people. And so ta Coates isn't afraid to call out, to, to talk about the things that need to be talked about. Now, young listeners may not know this, but I'm letting you know that Ta-Nehisi Coates um, uh, wrote uh, a, um, a Black Panther series and also a Captain America series. So, I mean, he is a writer for all seasons. Again, I'm quite jealous. And two, in 2015, ta Coates was awarded a genius grant from the MacArthur Foundation. By the way, someday soon I'm going to write about um, the MacArthur, MacArthur Foundation and its grants because that, in and of itself, is an idealistic organization. Lastly, as we must idealists must experience from time to time, Tanahasi's work and opinions haven't been without criticism, even within the African-American community. For example, in late 2017, Cornell West, some of you may recognize that name, he's another African-American writer and philosopher, criticized Tanahasi's preoccupation with white supremacy and Tanahasi's view that Barack Obama uh, was of the same league as Dr. King and Malcolm X. Later, because Cornell West was criticizing Ta-Nehisi, a white supremacist used that criticism to, to engender their own criticism of Ta-Nehisi to their advantage. We no doubt will be hearing more from Ta-Nehisi Coates. He's only 44 years old, and I look forward to when we hear more from him. He's proof that the written word can make a difference, proof that an idealist who writes well can make people think differently. And I am in awe of that. Okay, there you go, Tanahasi Coates. When we come back, we're going to take our break. When we come back, we're going to do the big interview with Susan Williams from the Transformation Product South Dakota. If you like what you hear, visit my website at elliekrug.com. Will you follow me on Twitter? The handle is at Ellie J. Krug. Follow me on Instagram. No, the handle on, on Twitter is at Ellie Krug. Instagram is at Ellie J. Krug. We'll be back in a minute. Thanks. Brending Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. At Better Futures Minnesota, we transform the lives of men and support Minnesota's environment by working towards zero waste. Our approach reaffirms each man's dignity and supports self-sufficiency. Better Futures Minnesota is a work training model. 
through our reuse, retail warehouse, and supervised work crews with specialized in residential and commercial building deconstruction, property maintenance, appliance recycling, and janitorial services, we demonstrate ways to employ hire-to-employ men on a pathway to independence. Hire our work crews at BetterFuturesMinnesota.com. And we're back on AM 950, LE 2.0 Radio. Okay, so uh, Tanashi Coates, um, please follow up. Um, uh, check him out. Check all of his writings out. It will be well, well worth your time. And now, something else well worth your time is the big interview. You know that we have this every week where I bring in an idealist and we talk with an idealist about their work. And I am thrilled for this week we have somebody who I've really taken a liking to and who I think is doing incredible work. Susan Williams, you're on the line here um, with me um, from South Dakota. Is that right? Are you there? I am here, Elliot. It's so good to be on your show. Thank you for asking me. I I am very honored. Oh well, you know uh, you're welcome. And I'll tell you, as soon as I I you know you and I had a phone conversation a couple of weeks ago, and as soon as um as, I I don't think I'd even talked to you for five minutes, and I'm like, oh, we're gonna have her on my show. So, listeners, the background here is Susan Williams, um, our guest, is the executive director of the Transformation Project South Dakota, which is a nonprofit. It's not been around all that long, but boy, have they done a lot. It's a nonprofit aimed at protecting young transgender humans um, and their families. Do I have that right, Susan? You are correct. Really, our mission empower these transgender youth and young adults and their families while educating South Dakota and the surrounding communities about gender identity and expression. Okay. And, you know, and, and we're going to have a, a good discussion here in a second about what, what the heck is going on in South Dakota. Um, but give us a little bit of a background. You, you're uh, the Transformation Project. I mean, literally, you are just this incredible idealist. The Transformation Project isn't even six months old. Do I have that right? Maybe not. Right. So. We launched on September 3rd, 2019. We have been working hard and trying to make a difference in our state. Um, but yeah, we're, we're really new. A lot of people have never even heard of us before. Well, right. Well, well, okay. But in that, in the time since you've launched um, in September, you've got this killer website up already. You've got a full board. I mean, what is it? About 10 people or so? Uh, yep. a board members, you, you, you've, you know, you're going out and doing a lot of outreach, uh, and we're going to get to even what more you've been doing, but, but why, why did this all happen all of a sudden? And what is your connection to the transgender community? If you're willing to share? Of course. Yeah. Uh, if you would have asked me Ellie four years ago, um, what the word transgender meant, I really wouldn't have been able to give you a good <laughs> answer. Um, I just had never knowingly met a trans person and was pretty sheltered and living in a bubble. So um, I did know a trans person. It ended up being my kiddo, but I had no idea that that's, that's what was going on in his life. So uh, from the early age of three, um, 
you know, our kiddos started saying things like, oh, I'm going to be a policeman when I grow up. And I would say, oh, you'll be a police woman. And he would have an argument with me. No, I'm going to be a policeman. <laughs> uh, and would uh, would talk about being a daddy when he was older. Wow. And our child was assigned female at birth. And so it was very confusing to me but I talked it up to just being you know just being a kid and having a big imagination but uh, things started to progress over the years and once puberty hit it started to be very um, very challenging for him to live in his own body uh, lots of depression anxiety angry outbursts and um, he um, he ended up telling us, you know, I'm I'm really not a girl. I never have been. I've always been a boy. Um, you know, please help me. I, I can't live like this anymore. Uh, and it was a cry for help. And so that's that's where my story began. My journey began with my son, and um, being in South Dakota, being isolated, living in a bubble, not knowing anyone else to talk to about this. We went through it alone. We, you know, had some close friends that we talked to. We we spent a lot of time in prayer, uh, but having um, having a community around us to support us was not there. Right. So my initial reasoning for starting the transformation project was to form community for people that are. Um, going through this with their family and uh, so I started a support group a couple years ago for parents and and youth and it grew very very quickly Uh, now we have um, about 50 families throughout the state who've heard of us and this is just word of mouth we haven't put anything out there Uh, but we we support each other and we go through it together so that's where all of this started okay and um, and was your and I don't even know. Are you are you married? Yes, my okay. husband is amazingly supportive, but okay. he also had to go through a journey of discovery and learning and acceptance. And it, it did it did take uh, take us a while because we we had to learn from ground zero. Right, right. And the and the story that you've already told is something that I talk about because you know I do a great deal of speaking about what it means to be trans and all that. And, you know, you get the question from people about, what about the child? And my response always back is, um, it's about consistent gender identification. You know, if they say, you know, um, you know, I'm not really Daniel, I want to be Susie, and they say that for three months, well, okay, big deal. Uh, but if they say it for three years, that's a whole different story. And, um, and, and the story, you know, your journey that you've told is uh, all uh, consistent with that. Susan, um, uh, so you had to do this. You had to go through this, this process alone and, and painfully. Let's just set the landscape in South Dakota. So listeners um, who are based here in Minnesota, you know that we have protection for LGBTQ people. It's um, under in the Human Rights Act. Um, in Minnesota, in fact, uh, Minneapolis was, I think, the very first city in the country to protect gender identity. Um, and and so we have protections. But in South Dakota, you do not have that. Do I have that right? Correct. Statewide, we do not have that. We do have one city in um, our state who has um, created a, a 
policy, and that's Brookings. Um, we don't happen to live there, so that's unfortunate for us. Right. Well, you're in <laughs> Sioux Falls, and so you're in a state where there are no legal protections for LGBTQ people, and particularly in your family for transgender people. And um, and in addition to that, uh, there you know uh, South Dakota, it's a, a lot of territory, not a whole lot of urban areas. And you have people spread out across the state who are struggling in a variety of ways with gender identity as well as sexual orientation, all that stuff, right? Correct, correct. We have about 800,000 for our total population statewide. So I would... um, I would say we probably have more cows that live in South Dakota than people. (laughs) Okay. Well, on that note, Susan, we're going to have to take a break. But when we come back, let's talk about the landscape because um, you have been getting a lot of exposure of late as well as has the state. All right. So we'll do that when we come back. Listeners, we're speaking with Susan Williams from the Transformation Project South Dakota. Um, You can go to their website, which is transformationprojectsd.org. Find out more about them. Uh, If you like what you're listening on the show, visit my website at elliekrug.com. Email me at lejkrug at gmail. I love hearing from listeners. When we come back, we'll do more with Susan Williams. Thanks. At Better Futures Minnesota, we believe everyone deserves a fair shot. We believe in personal redemption and second chances, and that those who are dedicated to change and hard work should have the opportunity to achieve success and make a positive impact in the community. The men we embrace and serve have made mistakes, but they aren't bad people. We work with men who take responsibility for their past and are committed to doing better, who work to create a better life for themselves, their family, and the community. Learn more at BetterFuturesMinnesota.com. This is Ellie Krug from Ellie 2.0 Radio on Mondays from 7 to 8 a.m. Many listeners know that I founded Human Inspiration Works, LLC, which trains on human inclusivity and on how to be welcoming, diverse humans. Today, organizations of all sizes find that they need to train team members on diversity and inclusion. I can do that. Many say that my trainings change the way they see the world. I'd love to help make your organization more welcoming. For more information, go to humaninspirationworks.com. Thank you. And we're back on AM 950 LE 2.0 Radio. Yours truly, Ellie Krug here. And we're in the middle of doing the big interview with Susan Williams from the Transformation Project SD. Uh, .org. Um, that was the website I just gave you. Um, uh, from Sioux Falls, South Dakota, Transformation Project is engaged in, in helping to protect and, and provide resources for tr- young transgender humans and their families in South Dakota. Susan, before we broke, we you know, started talking a little bit about what's going on in South Dakota. There are no legal rights for LGBTQ people. And, um, and while the state is you know, not as populous as other states, you got a lot of territory there and you have a lot of people I know that feel, I'm sure, that feel isolated. And that isolation is being compounded by what's going on politically in South Dakota. Do I have that right? 
You do, Ellie. It's unfortunate South Dakota is making national and even world news for our anti-trans legislation that is up in our 40-day session right now. We're probably, I think, in week three of session, and we already have four bills that have to do with transgender youth um, and, uh, and their rights. So we're we're really on the struggle bus right now. Okay, and and um, and there's a backstory here that you and I will get into in a couple of minutes here about how you and I came to have contact with each other. But let's talk about the legislation, the one that really I think it, I mean, uh, you know, historically a couple of years ago, the, there was you know a bill to ban transgender people from public restrooms, and you know, and and the governor at the time met with three transgender people and then decided not to sign the bill because the governor did what I train on, which is became familiar with other humans and and realized that they're real too, just like the governor was. Now you've got, uh, you've got legislation proposed legislation to criminalize a healthcare for young transgender people. Do I have that right? That is exactly right. The first draft of the bill was to um, basically make it a felony for a physician to provide any trans-related health care. Now the bill has been reduced and uh, is... Uh, they're proposing a, a misdemeanor for the physician. With a possible one-year jail sentence, though, for a misdemeanor. Correct. And, Correct. and of course, the, the publicity and the stigma and then, you know, being brought up on some kind of, you know, professional charges for bre- breaking the law. I mean, this is so basic because uh, you and I both know that young transgender people, um, that there is the possibility of blocking puberty for them so that they do not start to develop sexual characteristics um, and, and, and um, uh, appearance characteristics related to their birth gender. So the reason, of course, that the, the audience right now is hearing a man's voice for Ellie Krug is that we, Ellie Krug didn't get that, didn't get that puberty blocking. And so even though I look like a fairly attractive 63-year-old woman, fairly attractive is the operative phrase, um, you know, I sound like a dude. And, and this is all about preventing that. Is that right for our younger trans people? You're right, Ellie. What this puberty blocker does is once a child is already in puberty, um, there is a medication that they can receive that will pause their puberty. So basically, they won't develop those secondary sex characteristics. Um, They will be able to just kind of pause where they're at. They'll still grow, they'll still flourish, but they won't develop those um, puberty characteristics. And once the, you know, uh, once that drug is um, take, you know, taken out of their system, if, if they choose to go off of that drug, their bodies would develop just as normal. Right. So it's, it really is just a pause button. Well, it's a pause button to help the, the young transgender person be certain that this is really truly who they are. Exactly. And to protect their mental health. Because Correct. this is, you know, if, if your body is changing and your mind is like, wait a minute, this is not the body that I, you know, this is not who I am. It can be devastating to our younger transgender humans. It really can. We have, um, I'll, I'll share with you, in South Dakota, we have the sixth 
highest um, suicide rate in the nation. And uh, what we've seen with our, um, our survey that the South Dakota Public Health Association did is that the, uh, the amount of transgender um, self-harm and um, suicidal ideation and suicide attempt rate is is actually higher in South Dakota than um, the nation. So we've got, you know, uh, kids here who in South Dakota, 50% of them are attempting suicide, 69% of them are self-harming. And we see that um, with a puberty blocker, we can reduce those rates of self-harm, suicidal ideation, and suicide attempt. Right. But now they're getting the message from the state, like from the official state saying, you are unworthy and we're mm-hmm. not, you're, you are not worth um, that. You're not worth being uh, protecting. And, you know, and this is, of course, misguided by your legislators. The message you're hearing uh, in South Dakota is, oh, we care about these kids so much. We want to protect them from from doctors and, and parents who don't know what's best for their children. I mean, right? I mean, that's really what... It is so unfortunate. Yes, yes. And the kids here are feeling like, wow, we don't even... Like, nobody wants us in this state. Why, right. why are we living here? They feel unworthy. They feel... Uh, unheard they feel uh like uh, like they are um they're not being listened to well and so let's get into the backstory then about why you and i are speaking because um my listeners know i mean this listeners all know that this show is about idealism and that i'm not i'm i'm not a couch idealist that i actually go out and try and really do the work. Um, and so when I heard about what was going on in South Dakota, I reached out. There's a uh, the South, uh, Sioux Falls Pride um, organization that's LGBTQ, where I've actually spoken uh, several years ago. I reached out to them and said, hey, what can I do to help? And then they gave you my contact information. Then you reached out to me. Right? Is that how we got it? And I was so thrilled to see that someone who is a nationally known speaker would reach out to us and say, hey, how can I help you? Uh, And so we decided to set up an event where you're coming to South Dakota, thank goodness, (laughs) um, sharing about um, bridging the divide with our community. We're so excited to have you. Uh, Is it February 22nd at 10 a.m.? Saturday, February 22nd, 10 a.m. I'm going to be in downtown Sioux Falls um, with you. Um, and we're going to be uh, talking about how to get past the division between people who don't understand about trans people and trans people in the LGBTQ community. Absolutely. And I'm very thankful that you were receptive to the idea of me coming because, Susan, you know, I mean, I cannot tell you the number of times I've offered to go places and all I get back is crickets. You know, nobody responds. So, I well, mean, that is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> we're so thankful to have you and your expertise, your story. Um, what I find in South Dakota is that a lot of people just don't know what they don't know. Right. And so, having you come is going to be super educational for people and you know we're just gonna try to get everybody that we can there because I feel like the more people that know your story that um, you know can hear from an actual transgender human um, their hearts and minds will be open 
And one that didn't get puberty blockers. <laughs> uh, yes, it's so, the truth. All right, so um, I want you to plug your organization right now. So listeners right now, I know some of my listeners are like, okay, how do I find out more about Susan Williams, about her organization? So give them the contact information and what should they do if they want to contribute? Oh, thank you so much. To all of you listening, thank you. Um, check out our Facebook page, Transformation Project SD. Or check us out on our website at transformationprojectsd.org. And uh, you can donate if you would like. We have um, actually some ways that you can get involved with um, helping actual trans youth in our state. We send out a resource kit to every family that contacts us worth $75 worth of um, books and resources that will help them on their journey. Um, but otherwise, you're um, helping us with um, producing our magazine called Transforming South Dakota and our other initiatives like doing workshops around the state. So we would love it if you would um, check us out on Facebook or on our website and help us out. All right. So, Susan, we've got about two minutes left. So here's the question that everyone I interview in the big interview gets, and that is, what made you an idealist? You didn't come to this party, I know, voluntarily, but there's something, <laughs> there's something about you that has always been there. And what is it? How did you get to be so idealistic? I have always believed the best for this world and believed the best in people. Sometimes that gets me into trouble because I really do see that people um, are good um, when you go to their foundation. Uh, but mm -hmm. I, I believe that so much can happen by just making a difference in this world and doing it one person at a time. Uh, I've been criticized often for saying, you know, there are only 800,000 people in this state. How long is it really going to take to tell everybody about gender identity? Um, but I have big dreams, big aspirations for this state to be um, a place where people feel that they can stay and thrive, uh, that the LGBT community does not have to feel like they leave, uh, that they can be themselves once they leave South Dakota, that this would be a community where people would come and grow and thrive together. So um, I always have just had um, had a feeling that there is so much good in this world and um, we just need to find enough good people to band together to make it happen. Okay, so listeners, you just heard um, Idealism 101 right there. You did. And um, and Susan, I mean, you are getting the word out. You've had the Washington Post contact you. You've been interviewed, what, on various national TV shows all about what's going on in South Dakota. Do I have that right? Uh, we have been talking to people from all over, yes. It's been uh, quite something to have our brand new little nonprofit uh, on national news, but um, we're thankful that people are able to find us. We want all the South Dakotans that have kiddos with gender identity um, and gender expression um, uh to, to get a hold of us, to, to find us so that we can help them. That's really what it's all about, is helping these families, helping these kiddos, and supporting them in South Dakota and the surrounding communities. 
Okay, well, you're doing you're doing great work, Susan, and I'm honored uh, that you and I can work together, and that I will be in Sioux Falls on February 22nd uh, to speak. And you have made that possible. I, I couldn't come without your assistance, the assistance of your nonprofit and board. But um, uh, we're, our time is up. I've so much enjoyed talking to you. All that I can just say to you, from idealist to other idealist, is just keep going. It's all about persistence. It really is. Thank you, Ellie. You're amazing. Well, uh, ditto back to you. All right. Well, Susan Williams, thank you so very much for being on Ellie 2.0 Radio. Listeners, go check out the website, uh, Susan's website um, at uh, transformationprojectsd.org and consider throwing some money their way. I mean, my God, you know, welcoming tool set, toolkits, resource kits for families. That's a, such a great idea. Okay. All right. Well, there you go. A uh, big interview over. When we come back, we'll do the C block where I'll talk with you about an incident that occurred uh, recently, like just over the weekend, um, where I had to speak out um, with people in my community. So, all right. We'll be back in a second. Thanks. Better Futures Minnesota is a social enterprise which helps men achieve self-sufficiency and a better future for themselves and their communities. We need your help. By donating time or funds to our cause, you can support us and promote a healthier environment. By hiring our deconstruction crews for your next residential or commercial project and shopping or donating building materials or appliances to our reuse retail warehouse, you are supporting Better Futures Minnesota and your community. Please visit BetterFuturesMinnesota.com to learn more. Branding Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. And we're back on AM 950, LE 2.0 Radio. All right, Susan Williams... The Transformation Project at ProjectSD.org. Check them out. And yes, I am going to Sioux Falls on February 22nd to speak. Susan told me off, uh, off camera, off a mic, that the room I'm going to be speaking in holds 400. We'll see how close we get to filling it. Because folks in South Dakota are hurting. They are. And not that I'm any great savior, trust me, okay? But I do have experience. I can put a couple of sentences together, and I have the ability to inspire. I don't know how, but I do. And so, you know what? There's some privilege there, and I'm not going to just sit on it. Okay, well, <laughs> that's, the, that's the lead into my C block where I talk about my work. <laughs> and... Um, and, and please, listeners, I hope you know that, I mean, my, my ego is really not all that big. I, I go to great lengths to just like, hey, I'm just a human, just like everybody else. And I remind myself of that multiple times every day. But in this C block, I want to talk about something that happened over the weekend. So I'm taping this on a Monday. So this is something that happened on Saturday. Um, 
I'm a lawyer. There's a legal organization here in Minnesota uh, that's gathered around LGBTQ identifying lawyers. They do great work. And every February, first Saturday of every February, they have a like half day seminar called uh, Continuing Legal Education, CLE, where they bring in speakers and they have you know, sessions where they talk about various topics. And in the room mainly are LGBTQ identifying lawyers and their allies. So um, we began the day by talking about uh, big money um, organizations like the Alliance Defending Freedom. And by the way, if you've never heard about them, go check them out. Alliance Defending Freedom, which is like a $50 million budget. They're the ones that are are handing out money to religious-based organizations to enable them to marginalize, to go and, and support legislation in various states to marginalize LGBTQ people. So there was some discussion about the ADF, Alliance Defending Freedom, pouring money into many states, um, and about money going to conservative Christian organizations. After that, there were a couple of breakout sessions that I attended, one that was on transgender athletes and efforts to keep trans athletes from competing and the machinations that various organizations are going to to keep trans people from being competitors. The second breakout session I went to was about religious discrimination against LGBTQ people. The people presenting at both sessions, and let me just tell you, I don't, very competent people, really good lawyers, really, really good people. And I know that it, you know, it's Saturday morning, it's really the choir that's in the audience, it's just all us, part of us, okay? Um, and I know that. But the speakers at both seminars were irreverent to a large degree, and they were making fun of, in other words, they were othering those who have strong religious convictions and those who other LGBTQ people. I get it, okay? But it made me uncomfortable because um, we see this every day. It's tit for tat. And I'm just going to tell you, we got to change that scenario. We got to change that paradigm if we're going to save our country. Because eventually this tit for tat just goes nowhere and it, it, it denigrates down into some way worse stuff. And so I'm hearing this and I'm not feeling very comfortable at all about it. And then I'm thinking in the back of my head, you know, Ellie, um, by the way, you've gotten a couple of awards this year for leadership. Um, maybe, uh, maybe you should lead. <laughs> um, you know, leaders are supposed to lead, remember? Uh, go talk to the Senate, will you? Will you do that for me? Remind them of that. But anyway, still I hesitated. But nonetheless, um, when it came time to ask, the, the, the way it was put out, does anybody have any questions or comments? And I'm like, okay, all right, Ellie. Well, so um, I raised my hand and said, I have great respect for, and there were two at this point, there were two people co-presenting at this second session. I have great respect for both of you. You know, and the organization that you're from, I admire and I have great respect for them. But then I said, I don't think you're going to like what you're going to hear from me now. <laughs> and I went on to say that, you know, in my work, because you know, listeners, I am speaking, I'm trying to do more in greater Minnesota. It's working to a large, some degree, um, parenthetically, help me get into your churches, please, or other churches where I can come talk. But I said, in my work, I'm finding that people with strong religious convictions are afraid. They're afraid of us. 
They're afraid of LGBTQ people. They're particularly afraid of transgender people. Um, and, and they're afraid that if they interact with us, we're going to yell at them, we're going to shame them, or we're going you know, to belittle them. That's what they're afraid of. And that's what I was hearing going on in the room. And I said, I'm sorry, but I, I need to speak up. We need to stop othering people who are othering us. We need to find a different strategy on how we can communicate with each other. We need to find a different way to get past our divisions, to bridge our divides. Um, you know, and I said that, and I'm, I, I, I just got to tell you, you know, um, and I also admitted that some people are not reachable. I mean, that there are some people who literally want to erase LGBTQ people. I, there are, but they, that's not the vast majority. The vast majority of people with strong religious convictions just have never met anybody who's LGBTQ. They never had the opportunity to get to familiar with us. And boy, I'll tell you, you walk into a room, you start shaming them. You just evaporate. You eliminate any opportunity for them never to be willing to become familiar with you. I got done with all that and, you know, the room was pin drop silent. And I'm like, uh, okay. But the presenters, they responded back professionally, said, well, thank you, Ellie. And, and that's really a really great point. But still, you know, there are about 50 people in the room, you know, people from my group, okay, LGBTQ identifying humans. Um, and I thought, well, how did that go over? But you know what? We got done and we went out and there was lunchtime and we're sitting around uh, having lunch. And a number of people came up to me from that room and they thanked me for speaking up. That they thought it was important that I said what I said. Let me tell you, there was a big sigh of relief in my, the back of my head about that. But you know what? I'm glad that I did it. And I will continue to do it. Because I'm an idealist. And I believe in the goodness of humans just like you heard Susan Williams say. All right, it's the end of the show. There we go. It's time to thank my sponsors. And I need to thank Brending Electrolysis. Contact Bev. Let her know that I sent you because she does incredibly great work. And I need to thank our other sponsor, Better Futures Minnesota, which gives people a second chance. Please, if you run a business and you would like to sponsor this show, I would really welcome it. And you can contact me at ellijkrug at gmail.com. I'll let you know how to make that happen. A big thanks to my producer, Brett Johnson, who is always there for me. And to you listeners, a big thanks to you. Thank you for tuning in every week. Thank you for telling others about this show. Thank you for getting up off your couches and going and working to make the world a better place. I'll be back next week with more idealism, more about changing the world. Take care. Bye-bye.